Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So just ready podcast. Back out to smart. Fakes the pass all the time. Three. Bang! It's William Strange. Welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. We've got a special guest on tonight's pod, Chris Forsberg of NBC Sports Boston and the Celtics Talk Podcast, an absolute legend. Forsberg came on to discuss the departure of assistant coach Will Hardy, as well as the Celtics' many, many potential TPE and free agent options. We also talked about his experience covering the NBA Finals, which was really cool. Let's get right into it. All right. It is our absolute pleasure to welcome back NBC Sports Boston analyst and host of the Celtics Talk Podcast. Chris Forsberg, Mr. Forsberg, welcome back, sir. How are you doing? What is up, y'all? I'm trying to think. When was the last time we talked? I remember being in a hotel room. Was it? Th- uh, it was during uh, the Bucks series, I think. After the after the Al Horford game, quote unquote. Oh, that yeah. was a good one. That was a uh, yeah. that was that, that was, was a good that was memories. Yeah, like I mean, the playoffs were good, yes. but that was that was peak peak yep. playoff moment. So, all right, well, uh, nothing happened since then, right? No, I mean, it, it felt like we were playing with house money then, being that deep in the playoffs. I mean, it, obviously, we had no idea what was to come, but uh, a little bit more morose now, having unfortunately lost in the finals. But we want to look forward at this point, Forsberg, rather than back. And let's start with some news that just sort of emerged today. I actually woke up to this at you know 6 a.m. Sydney time, uh, that Will Hardy, former assistant coach for the Celts, has just agreed to become the head coach of the Utah Jazz. Chris, how mm-hmm. epic of a loss is this for the Celtics, and will this be felt you know, among the team and the franchise uh, in the upcoming season? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I'll preface this by saying, well, let me start with this. When Will Hardy joined Ime's staff and came here, I didn't think, like, oh, he's going to be here forever, right? This mm-hmm. didn't feel like a, he's just going to be along for the ride. This was a young coach who was in high demand. We've heard all the rumors about Pop's possible successor down the road, and we knew that other teams would be interested. And I think it's kind of funny that Danny Ainge, the same guy who went out there and got Brad Stevens before everybody else jumped in, is the same guy who now jumps in and gets Will Hardy uh, to hopefully jumpstart whatever comes next in Utah. And so it's not a surprise to me. I do think, you know, you think about all the connections he has here. I think about him shooting free throws after practice with Derek White you know, and how much that was a nice little safety net for Derek White when he came in. I think about Grant Williams and the relationship and Jason Tatum coming out and saying nice things. And so, um, unfortunately, it, it is a tough loss for the Celtics. He was, he made essentially right-hand man. Um, tr- really, between him and Ben Sullivan and Damon Stoudemire were the sort of the four on the court uh, for the Celtics. Uh, but again, I sort of figured this was coming sooner than later. And the ironic part is, and this isn't a slight on Brad Stevens, it's just Brad Stevens never had a coach leave to take a head coaching position 
despite all the success the Celtics had. And here we are. It takes just one year of the Celtics being in the finals for for Ime to to see someone fl- uh, fly the coop. But um, this is what you want if you're if you're a head coach. This is what you want. You want your assistants to to get those opportunities. Ime had waited a long time for his own chance. I uh, can't wait to see what Will does with his own system and whether he actually wants to coach Rudy Gobert. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I feel like like every Getty Images picture of Udoka this season, you can see Will Hardy like literally in the background. Big loss for the Celtics, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, it's not felt among the, the the team and the and the fan base in the upcoming season. So, speaking of the the upcoming season, it, it is the off season, and the Celtics you know, they're in a great spot where they've just made the finals. Uh, they're already awesome. They don't need really the big off season move. They just need some minor moves to enhance their existing mm-hmm. awesomeness. They have several TPEs and the taxpayer mid-level exception that they can use to achieve this. Chris Forsberg, we're going to run through the three tiers of potential TPE acquisitions, and you get to pick one or okay. two ideal candidates from, from each tier. So, Spoonie, are you good to, to run us through the tiers here? Yeah, and as you know, Forsberg, we're highly professional operations, so these <laughs> tiers are very well-defined. Uh, tier one, wait. the... Yeah, tier one, the fuck yeah, let's throw in some picks, I'm all in tier. <laughs> tier two, in time, I can learn to tenderly love this man tier. Mm. And tier three, <laughs> shit, the TPE's about to expire, let's get literally anyone. Uh, so, I, I love so the tiers. obviously we got a... Okay, great, fantastic. Uh, so yeah, like Ben said, one or two players, but we'll probably chime in with who we prefer. But Ben, take us away, tier one, who we Ooh, got? Who we got? Tier one, so it starts with a Reddit comment from Europosy41 who says, DeJounte Murray is a stud and would unload the farm for him. He'd be the perfect third star. Um, so Murray's on a $16.5 million contract this year, 17.7 the following year. I'll add to that Norm Powell, who's making $16.7 million mm. in the upcoming season, and Seth Curry on $8.6 million. Those are the, the three players who have reached out our God-level tier there. So are there any standout names for you there, Forsberg? So first off, why are the Spurs trading DeJounte Murray? Victor I don't quite I get. <laughs> I mean, uh, so <laughs> I, I've struggled to wrap my head around it. I think some of it is exploring what they can get. And maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe there's a deal out there, but um, I didn't think they'd trade Derek White last year. So who knows what Pop is thinking about that. And maybe they don't value their players as high as we do from the outside, watching them have good games against Marcus Smart. Um, but I, I guess that's where I'm at. Like, I love the idea of Murray. I do think there's a whole bunch of redundancy, like what happens then with Smart and White and Peyton Pritchard and further down the line. But certainly when you're coming off of playoffs where – the number one issue is ball handling. You don't. You you, you have a, a thirst for uh, a a player that can handle the ball, and I'm I'm not sure he's like you know otherworldly, but he's he's big and he does a lot of the things and passes well, and I think it's easy for Celtics fans to fall in love with him. I just again, I even if you offered the Spurs three first round picks, are they are they taking that three picks that are going to be twenty five to thirty for the next you know five years? Hopefully, fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. If you have a a Dejounte Murray next to. Jason and Jalen, so I don't know. I, I, I don't think that happens. Um, I have uh, uh, the Curry, again, like, um, what, what is Philadelphia trying to cut cash at this point? Having to, to uh, or, um, you know, I, 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 don't, I guess I don't quite know the reasoning. Who is number two? Norm Powell from the Clippers, who, like, they're, no, okay. they're really, they're going to make a strong, strong run this year with everyone coming back healthy. So you'd think they'd want to hold on to Norm Powell, but it does technically fit into that TPE. 
what is what is I mean, does Steve Ballmer have an unlimited pit of money? Because it seems that way, yes. I feel like, <laughs> oh, my God, they have re-signed everybody. Uh, every time I try like to start thinking about how cool it would be to get a Clipper, uh, they re-sign him or say they're not moving him. And so, uh, yeah, like you could throw, I'm sure we'll get to Luke Kennard at some point and uh, Isaiah Hartenstein and all that. But yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I, 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 it feels like the Clippers are just going to bring back everybody at least for one year and see how it goes. And then maybe they, maybe a year from now we can, we can get a little bit more serious about them actually moving somebody. Am I crazy? Am I crazy on all those three? No, I'm actually with you. I really don't love it. I think Seth Curry's probably my favorite target out of that, but he's on the nets now and who knows what the oh, hell that's is right, going to happen oh. with the nets, right? Yeah. Um, so who, I mean, who the hell knows? Like maybe they just pivot and go to a rebuild. Cur- right. Seth Curry's a little older than everyone kind of thinks. So uh, maybe they're just send him into a TPE, cut that salary, and figure something out on the fly. Because <laughs> Lord knows, no one, not even Kyrie Irving, knows where this song <laughs> is going next. But I'm with you on Murray. You just made the finals. Like that is a insane. That's not a reshuffling of the team. That is fundamentally changing a finals team. And I'm just way too risk adverse with that. Especially if you add in like. I saw today the Spurs want three firsts and two swaps or four first-round picks. I mean, that just seems like such a high price for a guy that he's better than Smart. How? But is he that much better? I don't think he can play with Smart, or I don't think that's an optimal fit, and definitely not with Derek White. So Mm -hmm. that then you're trading Marcus Smart all of a sudden after he finally starts at point guard and gets you to the finals. I just. I don't get the hype for the Murray deal at all, so I'm with you, Forsberg. My my, yeah. my brain is it, it couldn't even process that Seth Curry was on the net. So uh, <laughs> clearly, I am rusty from even even though that was one of the teams the Celtics went through. Uh, so take me to tier two. Like who who do you, who do we got in the uh, in the the washing away our sorrows uh, uh, because we couldn't get the big fish. Uh, all right, so these are going to be a lot of names we've been seeing flying around Ooh. lately. Alec Burks, Kyle Kuzma. Dylan Brooks, this is my personal pet project here, the guy I really want, P.J. Washington, Kevin Herter, Ben put Ish Smith on here, but I don't think we need to dignify that with a response at all. Uh, (laughs) Oh, come on. (laughs) Yeah, can I add a few more to that, Richardson. Oh, please, please, yeah. Oh, yeah, you got it. So Josh Richardson, uh, Chetty Osman is another one. Marcus Morris, bring back Ooh. Mook. Bring back Jay Crowder. And I've added Justin Holiday to that list as well. So big list of names. Okay. Really, tier two is is really probably where, where we're going to nab someone here, I think. Um, so this is really like the, the primary list of uh, potential acquisitions. But anything jump off the page for you there at all? So I know I get the Alex Burke stuff. Like, I guess the rumors out there today, obviously, about uh, the Knicks. And they clearly want to sh- shed cap space to go after Jalen Brunson. And so we can, it, it's easy to kind of understand the motivation there. Maybe if the cost was low, but all right, you're paying $10 million. What do you get? Rebounds well. I, I just don't know if what I keep finding myself coming back to, whether it's with the mid-level or with the TPEs, is that it's hard for me to sometimes to justify the player over what you've already got. And so I can find a bunch of guards that are uh, point guards that I really like. And actually, Ish Smith is on that list just based on how much he kills the Celtics and only the Celtics, right. evidently, when I looked at when I looked at his numbers. Yep. 
But then I say, well, wouldn't you just rather play Peyton Pritchard? And I can find a an, an, another undersized shooting guard. And I'm like, well, you should just play Derek White. And I can find a four who, you know, doesn't have quite enough size. And I said, well, just play Grant Williams. So I keep coming away a little bit leery, but I want to hear the pitch for, for PJ. Uh, yeah, so... I think right now he's an excellent three-point shooter for his size. I think he's strong enough that he can guard centers, which would and play with Rob Williams. That allows Rob to stay in a sort of free safety role. He's somewhat switchable. He's switchable enough, I'll mm-hmm. say. Uh, I think he can play with Grant Williams, although the rebounding would be suspect for sure. But I think the offense would be incredible. So. I look at PJ as I think he's 23. He's got a ton of upside. He's due for a big raise, and Charlotte is one of the cheapest teams in the NBA, so they may want to move him now uh, before he is on that big money. And I think ultimately the biggest question mark with this team going forward is how the hell do you replace Al Horford? Grant's great. Yeah. I still think you need another guy because if Grant moves into the starting lineup, then you got to fill that spot. And Grant played a super important role in the playoffs. So I I just think PJ Young upside has kind of that mm-hmm. skill set other than the passing to replace what Horford does. Maybe not quite as good as Al, but he's a decent facsimile other than the passing. So that's my pitch on PJ. Yeah, no, I, and I think that for me coming into the offseason, the biggest thing was – like that's probably at the top of my, my, my checklist of what the Celtics need to do. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people said the ball handling because of the, the finals and, you know, clearly they need another wing defender so that you can actually rest Jason and Jalen at some point. But I agree, like secession plan with Al needs to be a priority. And if you're going to use that TPE to bring in someone expensive, maybe that's pr- sort of the, the better road to hoe because I... I you know, as much as I get, I, as much as I do like the idea of the herders of the world and, and, you know, like we talked about Norm Powell and stuff like that, you know, if you're going to spend that money um, and, or at least you're going to commit to someone that you are going to pay money down the road, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe there's a better, maybe we're going to hunt hard for that, for that four that is out there. Cause there's no obvious solution. I, I really hadn't thought about PJ a whole lot. So uh, I look forward to stealing that at some point. <laughs> please, <laughs> please, please uh, credit credit Spooty if you use that one on TV. Uh, that'd be that'd be really hilarious. <laughs> uh, yeah, PJ Washington to me, I think is you know Spooty. You did a solo show uh, a couple of days ago, and and you called that sort of the the upside swing, I believe, um, where it's like maybe higher mm. risk and it not potentially panning out for the Celtics, and also becoming expensive if we do get him and extend him. Um, but the upside is there, and I think it's it's a worthwhile risk given where the team's at and given where Horford is. Uh, is going uh, tier three and a reminder this is called the shit the TPE is about to expire let's get literally anyone tier a uh, few names here I'll run through Duncan Robinson 16.9 million in the upcoming season Doug McDermott Will Barton Luke Kennard and Jeff Green um, any Oof, names there friend. sort of <laughs> immediately cringes at the mention of Jeff Green uh, <laughs> any of those names sort of jump off the page to you there at all Mr. Forsberg What's funny is, like, I mean, I think we have, we're like contractually obligated to throw Jeff Green on all these lists. Uh, and one thing I always go back to is uh, I remember Brad Stevens attended Jeff Green's wedding. And so they were really close when Jeff Green was here. And I always think whenever he's available, I worry that Brad's just going to put personal relationships ahead of, of what's best for the team. Although, I don't know, there was a time when I could convince myself that Jeff Green could help the, in, in his stretch five incarnation and uh those 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 uh those days where he looked fairly serviceable and 
Did he play? Did he play in the Nets when Ime was there? No, right? Like I always, I always try to find the connections and relationships that might uh, that might facilitate those moves. Uh, I I will say like probably during the playoffs I scoffed at the idea of Duncan Robinson. Uh, I probably still scoff at it, but not as quite as much because I just think uh, you do have to explore things like that. My fear is that the Heat are going to hold out and try to bundle him and use that to get whatever Donovan Mitchell or whoever their next prize quest is. Uh, so I think they'll be reluctant to just kind of dump them um, unless they were just had no other path forward and needed that money to uh, to spend on others. So. Uh yeah that's a, that that's a that's a pretty crap filled tear I'm not gonna lie I'm not uh I mean I shouldn't call I shouldn't call somebody's players crap but um yeah it, it, that's an unideal situation to uh to be scrambling just to use it and so I uh, I hope uh, I hope the Celtics don't have to cross cross that bridge I hope they do their work early and uh, not wait till July 17th like I would if I was GM of a of an NBA basketball team. Forsberg, what what are your thoughts on Luke Kennard? Because I've seen a lot of people really in support of adding him. Uh, And personally, I think the first thing you should be looking for is this guy at least has to be an okay defender. And Luke Kennard is way worse than okay. Um, But do you think Stevens would be willing to sacrifice some defense for offense? Because Kennard's a wonderful offensive player. But I'm just curious. Like We'll learn a lot about Brad, I think, this offseason with how he uses the TPE. Yeah, the way he talked, right, and said the whole thing about how everybody's got to kind of be pulling in the same direction and how much he valued that in this group, it does lead me to believe that there has to be at least some balance. And it's not like you might not be able to find the 45% three-point shooter who, you know, out there, but you can find someone who shoots 38 and defends. And is that more valuable to you so that you don't have the lapses? That's why I sometimes go back to Herder a little bit because he can at least defend a little bit better than the Canards and Duncan Robinsons of the world. Uh, I don't know how much better, but uh, it's all part of the equation. And so, uh, yeah, but again, as I'm going through the list, this is what I invariably come back to. I'm like, is it, does this person fit the system? And does he make you better enough to splurge what you'd have to give up to get that person? And most times I come away thinking, eh, I just don't know. And so I think there's gonna, they're going to have to find that sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah. For, for me, it's Doug McDermott uh, in this tier, at least, if, if it comes to that. You know, he's cheap. It's only a two-year commitment. Uh, he's 30 years old. So he, Spoon is shaking his head at me as I say this. Uh, he, <laughs> he provides that veteran presence being 30, having been in the league, having played for Popovich. Um, I think he, you know, he'll add uh, a certain acumen to to the bench at least that we've been missing uh, in in the playoffs. And yeah, a two year commitment, so it's not like it's it's going to be an expensive acquisition for the Celtics. And maybe you get him for like a second round pick along with that TPE. I think we should probably move on to the taxpayer MLE acquisitions. So, mm. Forsberg, rather than rat- rattling off like yet another list of names, at least to start with, ah, are there any free I like agents? When you guys do the work. <laughs> oh, we ran out of time, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, <laughs> are, are there any free agents that you're eyeing for the Celtics to pick up with the TP MLE? I think uh, I think the uh, the the biggest tip about how I can I can I can phrase that is uh, I put Gershon Yabuselli on my list of <laughs> guys I'd like them to use the to use the the TPE on, and Amazing. I know it won't happen. <laughs> he, he just came off the books. He just resigned in, in Madrid. <laughs> the irony, but, but uh, I, I I can't watching the watching those Olympics last year. Watching him with Madrid this year, I can't help but think we're talking a lot about the Al Horford secession plan. 
it's 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 tempting. If if only he could have developed. If only the Celtics sending him out could have motivated him the way that he needed to be when he was here. I wonder how he would have blossomed here and whether whether it could actually. I don't. Th- I, I, he's not Al Horford, obviously, but um, I, when I look at the list and it's so paltry of what you can add. Uh, I can't help but but wonder. So I I threw that in as a little bit of a joke when I wrote my list today, uh, and yet it was probably the most thing the the most the person that people responded to most. So uh, go figure. Um, the others I I'm try and, and and this goes into the list of guys I'm trying to talk myself into, and mostly it's because these are guys that I've at some point or another suggested the Celtics trade for in the past. You know the Delon Wrights of the world. I don't know what's going to happen with Atlanta. At least he defends, but is he an upgrade? I mean, there's so much redundancy, but he doesn't need a lot of shots. Um, I know he had a terrible go in New Orleans, but Sadoransky, the last 22 games with the Wizards, was like the perfect ball handler for a second unit. Big, tall, doesn't need a ton of shots, just just sprayed it around, had like crazy assist numbers. But, but you know, who knows? That's so fluky on a bad team. And, uh, you know, I, I see people... Pumping Gary Harris, I get it. You know, you always hope you can be the reclamation project for a guy who had way more upside that he's shown. Uh, there is an Indiana connection. He's an Indiana kid. And I always, I, again, I'm looking for connections. And Brad Stevens loves Indiana players, you know, Indiana-born players. Uh, so I, I think, would, could he be lured uh, into that? And he's coming off a big contract. What, what does Gary Harris want? You know, he probably needs a bigger role to reestablish himself. So I don't know if that necessarily jives. Um, but yeah, it's really hard. I don't think, like, I think Otto Porter Jr. is going to cash in. I think big wings that have championship experience now are just, va- are, are too valuable to, to take low money. Um, you know, everyone I kept kept going to, uh, Hartenstein, like, great if you could get in on the floor on, on a great young center. But we just talked about it. the Clippers seem like they're spending crazy money. And yeah. even though they just re-signed another big man. I, I, so I don't know where they're getting this money or how they're going to do this. Uh, they got to let somebody walk. Uh, and maybe someone falls into your lap when the when that when those sort of markets dry up, but right now it doesn't look like it. Yeah, we, we actually got, have a Reddit comment. Oh yes. yeah, I, I got gotcha. you. I'm on it here. <laughs> user, very unfortunate Reddit username. User Kyrie542 <laughs> says TJ Warren is exactly what we need—a microwave oh. scorer that can play defense at a good level off the bench. So I wonder if Warren would be willing to take like a one-year prove-it deal on the taxpayer MLE. I think the issue is if we get him that and he plays well, we don't have his bird rights. So it's basically like one year and see you later, TJ. And then if he's willing to take it again, it means he probably didn't play very well. But what are your thoughts on maybe one year, TJ Warren? Um, because, I mean, when he was healthy, he was a hell of a player. It's Schroeder situation 2.0, right? Like not mm-hmm. exactly the same. There's no market that dries up. It's just could TJ Warren see enough of a role here to want to be – you know, they'd have to promise him some minutes probably in terms of, you know, you'd be hefty use. Can he hold up to that only pl- after playing only four games over the last two seasons? Uh, my only concern with him was going back through the numbers was needed a high volume to score. Was fairly efficient, but you're still talking like 14 shots per game to get 19 points. And wasn't that the problem with Schroeder too? Like he just ate up too many possessions and Certainly it won't be the, the walk the dog issues and stuff like that. And he, he does have some size and can help you on that end. Um, but I'm left to, left to think that he's more likely to, to just sign with a, a team that can promise him a starting role and, and 35 minutes a game in hopes that yeah. that one year leads to, to big money. 
further down the road. Sweaty sack summer is approaching and it's time for you to prioritize the comfort of your crutch. That's why the kings of crutch comfort, Manscaped, have spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. I've had the honor of testing out these new boxes and I can say that it's the softest fabric of any underwear. So breathable that it's like gills for your groin. They even trademarked the jewel pouch, so you know that it's serious. I think it's time you invest in your family jewels, so let your bulge breathe and get 20% off plus free shipping by using the code CRPOD at manscaped.com. I've switched up my rotation. I'm now in Manscaped boxes seven nights and seven days a week. Not that you wanted to know that, but anyway, let's say you're on a date and your partner catches that Manscaped logo on the waistband of your underwear. It's almost guaranteed to raise some eyebrows and act like a billboard on the highway to Pleasure Town. This is thanks to their Lawnmower 4.0, the best electric trimmer for below the waist grooming. This trimmer offers skin safe technology designed to trim hair on loose skin. Outside of just ball trimming, they're now focusing their efforts on helping out your thigh slappers in other ways with the game changing boxes. These boxes' features include the Jewel Pouch, a pouch designed to cradle your boys in their own special space, lined with perforated, performance fabric to keep them well ventilated. Basically, just imagine your balls sipping pina coladas, chilling on a hammock on some tropical beach somewhere. The micromodal fabric is buttery soft and breathable, keeping your cucumber cool. Walk, run, strut, these moisture-wicking boxes breathe without breaking a sweat. The tagless waistband hugs your body without digging in and it lays flat against your skin to reduce chafing. And the front fly opening gives easy access and makes bathroom breaks quick and efficient. You can choose from an arrangement of designs and colors and sizes range from small to 3XL. So if you want to support yourself and support the podcast, get 20% off and free shipping with the code CRPOD at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code CRPOD at manscaped.com. Once the boxes 2.0 touch your sack, you'll never go back. A couple more names. Malik Monk is a, is a free agent. Maybe, you know, he's poisoned from his experience with the Lakers. He could be gotten cheaply uh, and just wanting... You know, a, a better uh, outlook on life coming over to the, to the good side and moving away from the dark side there um, for the Lakers after that, that terrible season. Kyle Anderson is a name that's been thrown around for uh, several years now, slow-mo. Uh, and Tyus Jones as well, um, I think would all be gettable with the TP uh, MLE. So, um, ooh, I don't know. Do ooh. any of those names jump oh, out to you? I don't know about that. I think, I think both Tyus and uh, Kyle Anderson will go higher then the taxpayer mid-level. I think someone will splurge um, based on, like, Tyus doesn't turn the ball over ever mm-hmm. and was at, and you know still young and, 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 and just has so much upside. I, Kyle Anderson is just, again, guys who can play two-way wings, it just feels like there's such a premium, and I think everyone's sort of figuring it out. And so I think he's, they'll, they'll just invariably be somewhere above the level the Celtics can get to. Um, and then Malik Monk, the one thing the Lakers didn't get wrong. Uh, so, I, you know, I don't know. I, like, I feel the same way when people bring up KCP and Kuzma. And, um, you know, it, it's not the worst ideas, but I don't I don't love them off the at face value. And yet, you know, Celtics clearly need a little bit of size. And I'm uh, I'm intrigued by anyone who has some size and versatility. Yeah. So do you think there's anything to, because we've seen this with near championship teams and certainly championship teams in the past, where once they hit that sort of upper echelon, the, the top two teams from the prior season, they kind of had a, they're, they're a bit more appealing to free agents. And we might see guys signing a little bit less money to, to be a part of that team. For those sort of Ty Stone, Kyle Anderson level players, do you think there's anything to that? Or are they just at a point in their career where they're just going to take the money no matter what? 
I, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think there's certainly players definitely hit a point in their career where that becomes a priority. I just think it's a little bit more on the north of 30 side where you start saying, okay, I'm willing to take less money. I think they're still in a spot where, you know, and like Kyle Anderson had a decent contract last time, but, um, you know, what matters to him right now might be more role and, and ability to ramp up his number than necessarily um, chasing a title and being a, being a role player. Now, could you promise him he's the Al Horford secession plan and that he's going to play Good minutes because Al's not going to play more than 25 minutes a night, even though we know that's not going to, you know, they're going to still play him 30 minutes. Um, maybe I, I would certainly, if I'm Brad Stevens, that's the pitch I'm making. Yeah. Uh, sure. But I just don't know if, if it's enough when some team could swoop in with the full uh, mid level exception. Yeah. And actually, it's interesting all this talk about the TPEs and the MLE. We actually have heard from Brad and Ime that internal improvements is their biggest focus mm-hmm. on the offseason. It almost seems like to me they're more banking on some of these younger guys to get better. I think starting with the Jays, who are both very young still. So what do you think like the most improvement, like what will we benefit the most from? And I've got three options for you. The Jays improving their game. Ooh, okay. I love when you get options. Sort of the, <laughs> yeah, the bench, you know, fulfilling their potential. Like Grant Williams getting better, Peyton Pritchard, Derek White fitting mm-hmm. in better, or obviously Neesmith reaching the GOAT potential that he has and becoming the next MJ. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, why not a confluence of all three? Uh, I do think, and I got to give, you know, I'll give Scal credit on this. He was the one screaming before last season. None of, nothing else really matters beyond the Jays improving. And sometimes it does feel that way, right? Like if Jason Tatum makes more shots in the NBA Finals, it probably plays out differently. And if, uh, you know, so ultimately I do think the best thing for the Celtics moving forward is if they can continue to incrementally improve, you know, that's a huge thing because they're already, you know, obviously inside the top 20 players in the league. Um, Tatum's obviously at a different echelon now based on all of his jumps this past season. So um, that would be huge for this team if those guys were both top 15 definitive type players like there's nothing that can that can beat that for a for a championship caliber team i do think you need more from your bench um i think they've shown themselves capable there were certainly times during that season that we yearned for more pritchard just to sort of let him learn through the bumps in the road so i am eager to see how he improves and you know it's hard to hold grant's season against them i mean he was great in the corner he was he 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 embraced that 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 role and kind of kind of kind of figured it out after some some roller coaster from the bubble five to you know too too heavy on on the following year and slimming down this year. Um, but certainly he can can continue to improve and find a way to to be impactful. Still a lot of questions about you know what his ceiling is and and what his ideal role will be. Is it a high level bench player or can he be you know part of the Al uh, replacement plan? Uh, and then I, you know, obviously Neesmith, I'll be very eager. I, I have, I was high on Neesmith for a long time and then I came crashing down late in the season. Um, <laughs> just that I mean it's, it's, I've never seen a player go from having like hitting a million shots in practice to not being able to hit the backboard on three pointers at, you know, at times during games. And so, uh, it's just part of the experience. Avery Bradley missed a, bi- a billion three pointers when he was young and then figured it out. You know, maybe there's hope that Neesmith just has to kind of ride this roller coaster of not playing a lot. Uh, I would throw in, 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 a, in a fourth option, which is just 
like what what becomes of Robert Williams? And you guys know my feelings on that. But if Rob, who already made huge strides this season, if he has another huge leap this season and you've got three legitimate superstar level players, all star level players, you know, man, then that really changes the calculus for the Celtics. Like then you don't need Jason and Jalen to maybe make the huge another huge incremental leap if you have three very or two very high level co-pilots in Rob and Marcus. Yeah, and Forsberg on Neesmith, all I'll say is the night gets darkest before the dawn. <laughs> Gotta keep the faith. That's right. Grant looked like he I'll was on it. his way out of the league in his second season, all right? <laughs> yeah, true. and it does It does the Neesmith, like, if he could just learn to shoot like he did in college, obviously that's much easier said than done, <laughs> but it does kind of address all of the, the, the previous points. If, if Neesmith can shoot... That's us filling out the bench. If Neesmith can shoot, suddenly we're addressing major spacing issues that we exhibited, in, particularly yeah. in the finals. Uh, and if we just have one of those guys who can just zip off pin-down screens and jack threes for like 15 minutes a game, I feel like that solves so many problems. And it certainly makes, I think, the three of us, who are really like the champions of, uh, among uh, another crowd of people, the champions of Aaron Neesmith, that would be um, very vindicating, I think, at this point. Um <laughs> We've got a couple more points to, to finish up with. Uh, one of them is, what's the final verdict on the Grant Williams contract? And I, I want to put this to both of you Ooh. and uh, try and establish a, actually a bet between the two of you, if we can do that here, Forsberg and Spoonie, okay. where whoever yeah, is Please feel uh, free to wrong, say no. <laughs> no, no, I'm in. So whoever's, okay. well, you haven't, you haven't uh, found out what the loser has to do yet. Uh, whoever is uh, further away from the, whatever the final number is has to come back on the podcast and eat a Vegemite sandwich uh, live on the pod. So you have to accept <laughs> that criteria before you participate in the bet. That is, that is the most uh, uh, overseas bet that we could possibly make. I know. Um, Personally so, sent some Vegemite uh, to NBC Sports so, Boston. <laughs> I, I appreciate you. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll eat it while listening to down under, uh, blaring from my speakers. Um, so what, what, refresh my memory. Where, where did we, I'd have to go back and listen to the pod that we did, uh, even before the last pod, uh, when I was probably too low, I probably said four, four, 10, four, 11. And, uh, I think that number goes up now. I think I've had some people push back on me saying, you can't ask for more money than Rob based on Rob's impact, but Grant's been healthier and the market for three and D wings is pretty beefy. So one, I would say, I think it's more likely than not that it probably doesn't get done this off season. Cause I think Grant could bet on himself. And I think the Celtics have to tread a little bit more cautiously than they did with Rob and Marcus. But if it does get done this summer, then I'd probably see the Celtics getting up to 413, 414. So whatever that, you know, quick math does out. And um, so if they, if, they, if they did 456 um, and maybe Grant has to come down a little bit, and maybe the Celtics have to go up a little bit to get there. And there would be some serious people being like, oh my God, you just gave Grant Williams 14, average of 14 million a year. Uh, but I feel like that's probably the sweet spot. So I, I'm going mm-hmm. gonna, gonna, gonna to go there. Spooty. Okay, so I believe when we first discussed it, you were at uh, nine million a year, and mm-hmm. I said I'd give okay. Grant twelve. So four times fourteen, I'm doing the math right now, is fifty-six. Yeah. So we'll say four for fifty-six, fourteen a year. I'm gonna go. So 
when we talked in the playoffs, we were like, man, he might get 60 because I think it was right after one of his best games in yeah. the playoffs. Uh, uh, I will I will go yeah. for 60. I will go for 60. So 15 a year. Ooh. And then we may have to wait a year to find okay. out because I think you're right, Forsberg. I don't I don't think it makes sense <laughs> for Grant Williams to sign an extension this offseason. But so this might be a long term bet here. We got going. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and isn't it remarkable that I've come up that far that I was, I was, I was like, I was thinking, cause at that point when we were talking about it, still the regular season and as good as he was in the corner, there was still some volatility with his play. Um, he showed me a lot during the postseason, whether it was guarding Durant, taking turns on uh, Giannis. It was unfortunate that he did disappear a little bit in the finals, but the whole bench did. So I can't like totally crush him for that. Would have liked to have seen him maybe be a little bit more impactful against Miami, and especially with the Adebayo um, relationship and how much that seems to motivate him. But all things considered, like if we had said that Grant Williams was going to become a legitimate three-point threat and you know can get under the skin of players like Durant, I think we would have taken it. And so I'm a little bit leery. I, I, I still think I'm, that number is—I'm probably shooting a little high on the number. But, you know, like, look, it, especially as— when we start seeing some of these contracts that come out on, on Thursday, we're going to be like, oh, my God, you know, player X is getting that. And if you truly believe he's your P.J. Tucker of the future, then, you know, you might just have to pay to play. Well, look, someone's going to be eating a Vegemite sandwich on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sorry, it just came ahead, out please. P.J. Tucker's still going to get like $10 million a year, and he's like 40 years old. So, I mean, that's just how valuable those types <laughs> of guys are. But uh, before we wrap up Forsberg... <laughs> Uh, we want to know, last, the first time you were on the pod, you told us a story about being in the locker room in 08, running around with a camcorder. Mm. And so this time, you got to cover the NBA Finals for the Celtics as their anchor. So anyone who's anyone was at the Finals, most importantly, Ben and I. Uh, in your life, so, I mean, how how like tell us how amazing it was. I mean, that is that like the the pinnacle of your career up to this point, or it was pretty cool. I think the run as a whole, because of how unexpected it was, probably was made this a little bit more satisfying. And I'm sure I said it when we you know two pods ago, like there was something to just savoring it because it felt so improbable and so you know, out of nowhere that this came out of. So I always kind of tried to step back and it's hard because expectations went up every few, every few weeks. And I was the guy saying like, you know, it doesn't matter if they get to the finals. And then by the time they got there, I was like, they got to win this thing. You know, you don't get these opportunities. Um, and so it, it was great. I've never been a part of something where uh, the travel has been so crazy the uh, I mean, we we did a lot of air miles and, we, we, you know, I don't I don't have that private plane life like the Celtics. And uh, <laughs> so JetBlue got a lot of business uh, as I was <laughs> as I was crisscrossing the country. Uh, but it was it was it was super fun. And I, I even kept I kept telling my family this. It was it was like it's hard because, you know, it cuts into a little bit of the summer and seeing your family and all that. But the flip side is these seasons just don't come along. And so I tried to embrace every second of it and just have fun with it. You know, Abby jumping on the pod in like midstream because we were just we we're like, we should just pod after every game and like see how it goes. And she was just like a firecracker at midnight. And it was some <laughs> of the most fun stuff we did. And it was always like off the rails. And so uh, I had so much fun on on this run. I mean, them sticking me outside the garden 
and people whipping me in the head. I mean, poor Ben got to see how locked in I am. I'm like, I'm doing these hits, and I just like, and, and people are, <laughs> and first off, people are super kind. And like, because I like, you go on Reddit and you like, everyone just hates me, which is cool. Uh, no. Except, <laughs> except, that's true. you know, then you meet people in person and they're sweet as gold. And it's like, it's almost like jarring. Like, people say really nice things about you, and I don't know what to do. Um, so, uh, shout out to every single person that came over and, and said thank you. Or, or just like said hello and and said you know uh, and and said nice things about the coverage. Uh, I don't need thank you. I, there's nothing I'm providing of that like is that of actual of actual heavy burden lifting. Uh, <laughs> and also shout out to the people that that whip me in the head with towels. Um, you at least everyone. My family thought it was funny. Um, some people feared for my safety, uh, but it was an amazing spirit experience overall. And uh, like I really hope they do it again at some point. Like you just to bring it full circle as I ramble. um, When I covered it in 08 and they won, I was like, wow, this is cool. Then they went back to the finals game seven and 10. And then they almost did it in 12. And me and Mike Gorman talk about this all the time. It's like for him in the eighties, you just like, Oh, this is cool. This is what they do every year. And then you had to go, 10 years without experiencing something like that and, and the right. uncertainty of it, whether you get back there and when. Um, and so it's just really cool that it came about the way it did. And that's why even amid all these stupid Kevin Durant trade rumors, it's been <laughs> fun to just kind of step back and be like, you know, what's cool. You got the dream. You got two sub 25 stars who are kind of went through it all and are trying to deliver you to this, to this promised land. And, uh, you know, hopefully they uh, they figure out how to do that because it's uh, when they play to their potential, and I don't think they ever really did in the postseason. You know, it's just it's amazing to watch. Yeah, absolutely, it really is a fan. How was it for you, Ben? Uh, I think I spent more time in the air on a plane than I did on the ground in Boston, but mm. totally worth it. I did get COVID while I was in America. Um, again, completely worth it. Uh, welcome. You're, you're welcome. Thank you. The American experience. There's a parting gift to, to the visiting Australian. But uh, look, Spoonie and I, we, we talked about it on the pod, but we had like one of the best days of our lives all day in Boston oh, yeah. leading up to walking into the garden uh, and then seeing that game three win. It was just, uh, it was incredible. Um I managed to, when I walked past you at Forsberg, heading into game four, uh, restrain myself from whipping you with a towel. It was hard, but I, I managed yeah. to, to restrain. <laughs> um, just quickly before we go, you know, I, I've heard f- from the media perspective, the NBA kind of swoop in and take over when it comes to the finals, uh, whereas mm. it's more sort of like local or regional coverage for the earlier rounds. Was there anything surprising to you that or unexpected or that you were unprepared for with your finals coverage or are you just like such a pro now that you're sort of um, all... yeah I, I wish i could do the whole yeah i'm a pro i was i was ready for all of it uh, I, I think there, it is a little bit jarring the finals are such a i hate to say circus but like so many foreign media come in and so much national media and all of a sudden it's very it's not just the sort of the the crew you've been around it's it's everybody you know it's and, and everyone's fighting for the one scrap of information that you know can set your story apart and so it gets a little bit more difficult i don't think it took away from the experience in fact what was wild about the finals is we had a couple of these like practice days and it's as close to normalcy as we've had you talk about covid you know this season i I mean first three quarters of the season i wasn't at the garden because there was no access to to players and like i was in the studio a lot it finally loosened a little bit in the finals and that was refreshing to be able to 
have a one-on-one conversation, even if it was two minutes before a German reporter swooped in and grabbed Daniel Tice or whatever. So <laughs> uh, I enjoyed that aspect of it. And uh, it was nice to see the the little bit of the normalcy there. And I hope that means that, you know, I feel like for the better part of two and a half years now, I've been writing nothing but really bad stories. And so hopefully, I, I can't, pro- no promises. Uh, they'll just go to like slightly mediocre instead of just being really bad. Uh, now that I can hopefully talk to players moving forward, but we'll, we'll see. No, let's get through any, any more COVID waves and such before I get too excited. Absolutely. And look, we've said this to you on the, on the podcast before, Forsberg, but very much enjoy your writing and your coverage at all. So I, I, I don't agree with the sentiment that there's a hate for you on, on Reddit or anything like that. We really enjoy your stuff. And you mentioned oh, it before. hate me. Hate well, me. Abby, uh, well, it's certainly it. not us and certainly not our listeners. I'm I mean, sweet, it's, as, you know. sweet as gold. <laughs> we agree. And look, Abby coming on the Celtics Talk podcast, like that was, like you said, she was a firecracker. Um, and you guys clearly have really good chemistry that were really fun to listen to. Um, we will wrap up there. We're running out of time. Chris Forsberg, you're always so generous with your time and your thoughts. Uh, you know, I think this is like your third or your fourth time on the podcast. We're going to have to start paying you at this rate. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Ooh. Vegemite we sandwich for him. everybody. everybody. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we only pay in Vegemite. <laughs> <laughs> Thank y'all. That's going to do it for this one. Thanks again to Chris Forsberg and, of course, Wayne Spoony. There was one thing we had to cut for time that I'll just touch on really quickly, and it was based on a Reddit comment by Fredin H, Fredin NH, who said, Jalen Brown, we love the living shit out of you. I wouldn't want to trade you straight up for KD. So what I was planning to ask Chris Forsberg was, is there a genuine risk of souring Jalen Brown's relationship with the team if between fans and the media, Brian Scalabrini most recently, they're making all of this trade Jalen noise, you know, after making the finals. So let us know your thoughts on that in the comments. I'm interested to hear what people think about that. Personally, I think if you factor in the kind of person Jalen is and the fact that he's kind of slotted in as the second fiddle to Tatum, the fact that he actually played pretty well in the finals, really well, in fact, arguably our best performer in the finals, and the fact that he's only 25 years old, I think you can safely assume that he could be impacted by those remarks, like more so than like your average NBA fringe star or NBA player. I don't know if you can do anything about it. I think it's just part of the business, but just something that has me worrying as a, as a Jalen Brown fan. So let us know what you think. Anyway, thank you for listening. We're going to be cranking out the content this offseason, so stay tuned for that. Until then, go Celtics. Peace. Peace.